0: You're listening to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, your daily podcast on the National Football League,
1: powered by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show Tuesday edition. On Tuesdays, we get into your questions, our two-minute warning, we'll try to cover every division in the NFL for at least two minutes using your mailbag questions and questions reviewing Monday Night Football. This football season has been very different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. At BDPeacock on Twitter is where you can find me. At Williamson NFL is where you can find my co-host, Matt Williamson, we've got a little bit of news to get to before we talk Rams Buccaneers, which was uh, sort of a wild game. It's a really good one. A bunch of picks going left and right, but um, I thought maybe the Thanksgiving game would be uh, at risk. Matt and and you would know better than anybody. Ravens Steelers and a couple of Ravens players, and they had a brief lockdown of the facility there due to COVID nineteen. But right now, it looks like they're just going to be down two running backs, and that game is on as planned. Correct.
1: As far as I know, yeah, and I'll learn more today, um, but it sounds like they kind of dodged a bullet. I mean, it's still going to be awfully tough on the Ravens. I mean, they're not going to have Ingram or Dobbins. It's going to be tough on my fantasy team, too, because I thought I actually had a starting Man. running back in Dobbins, and of course, he <laughs> can't play. But, you know, that's how my team has gone this year. Nobody wants to hear about that. Um, you know, but really... Thursday road games, you basically have one practice. And I think the Ravens have been robbed of that. So just prep time is really going to be tough on them, as if a Thursday game isn't bad enough. And I know this is kind of a special occasion because it's Thanksgiving, but I've always had a problem with, why do you play so many division games on Thursday nights? Because my logic is, it's not a good enough representation of both teams, and they mean more in the division. Mm, The NFL's argument, which I think is a good one, is, well, it's easier for the Ravens and Steelers to prepare for each other because they do it twice a year every year and know each other like the back of their hands and just played a couple weeks ago, so they don't need as much prep time. I get that. I mean, like, these teams haven't changed that much from two weeks ago or three weeks ago or whatever it was. So there's some logic behind that. But, man, I mean... I kind of feel, and probably many of you can't believe I'm saying this, I kind of feel for the Ravens in the predicament they're in as they're sitting outside the AFC playoff um, situation as they speak, and this is just a brutal task for them, you know, after an overtime game against Derrick Henry.
0: Yeah, that's a rough one, and uh, I'm sure that will affect the lines and uh, affect our picks when we preview these games. So we'll get into it further. Uh, one more bit of COVID news, which is Adam Thielen, and uh, I know there's many jokes out there about how his catch was so sick Sunday that uh, now he's on the COVID 19 reserve list. But that's rough <laughs> for um, uh, for the Vikings, but he has a chance still to play if he goes through uh, and gets a couple of negative tests. But you know, usually it's it's not good when someone goes on that list uh, to start a week. They're they're their Sunday is usually over at that point.
1: Right. That's an uphill climb, of course. And um, I don't want to like this brush the Vikings off completely, but they had a nice run. They lost this past week. It's not looking so good for their future. I mean, they're probably, I'm sure they're not a playoff team, Um, you know, but they're interesting just in terms of big picture. Like, how long are they going to go on with Cousins and Thielen and this model? And, I, I know, Jefferson could be their number one. I, I just think they're a very interesting team off season wise I didn't mean yeah. to go down that road. We will when the yeah. offseason comes around. But they're kind of at a
0: crossroads. Absolutely. They could go a number of directions there. And I have a feeling they'll be competitive and they will try to get right back into it. But it's rough because, you know, when they yeah. uh, during the games they'll break down the— the division will say, OK, well, now this team has this record and here's who's leading the divisions. Here's who's in the playoffs as of today. And then here's who's in the hunt. And in the AFC, the teams in the hunt are, you know, above 500 and they look good in the NFC. It's just so obvious that there's like maybe one team in the hunt where you're like, OK, they could make it. And everybody else is like three games back and they're four win teams. And it's like, man, that's a that's a tough climb for a lot of those teams. And, and the Vikings are in that category when you see they're in the hunt. But, man, it's so far off for them to make a run this year. Not impossible, but just rough.
1: Yeah. The NFC teams in the hunt are teams like Chicago that haven't won in forever. And of course the NFC East makes it even uglier.
0: Let's talk Monday night football, two teams that are definitely in the thick of it in the NFC. And it was the Rams who came out on top after uh, two interceptions from each team 27, 24 over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers.
1: I think the Rams were really good. And I've been struggling the last couple of weeks. I think the top three teams in the league, Steelers, Chiefs, and Saints, are kind of their own tier, although Drew Brees isn't in the mix. And I've been wondering who's number four. And as I was watching that game, I pretty much told myself, whoever wins this game is number four. And I'm very happy with the Rams at number four right now as the top of tier two. This is a good team. I mean, they're well coached. They didn't run the ball at all in the first half, and very little overall. Cooper Cup had like a dozen catches at the half, and Robert Woods ended up with 100 yards too. I mean, 275 and 23 catches between those two. I thought Jared Goff played extremely well. Um, They protected him well. And I threw something out on Twitter. I just wanted to run by you because I feel like Jared Goff, like people have written in stone what this guy is. And I don't think that's fair. I think, uh, you know, he's never mentioned in that – 10 to 12 best quarterback in the league range everyone just says he's mcveigh's puppet he can't handle pressure so he's no good well when he's not under a lot of pressure he kills teams like this and tampa has a very good pass rush by the way and avoiding pressure is also on the quarterback it's not just your blockers and whitworth was out and my point is i'm not saying he's great against pressure or mcveigh doesn't help him a tremendous amount but all quarterbacks have weaknesses and everyone just seems to know his and just states that and doesn't mention how good he does other things.
0: He has a really good arm too. I see a lot of people compare yeah. prospects to Jared Goff as if they're saying, "Yeah, he's not he's not someone you would be doing backflips over and he shouldn't be drafted super high." But I think, you know what? Goff has a great arm. He was a really good prospect. He was drafted number 1 overall for a reason. You know, he's not right. a generational guy coming out, but, you know, and, and I think the the story isn't fully written with him. I think you're right. I think some of the criticisms are fair. He's much better when the pocket is clean than when he's under pressure. But he can have games That's like That's not this. unusual, by the way. Right. That's uh, half the league, <laughs> at least. And, I mean, every quarterback is better with a clean pocket than under pressure. So uh, just some, some quarterbacks are better than making something out of it. Uh, But uh, yeah, you're right. The story is not written and he can have games like this where he outduels the greatest of all time in Tom Brady on the other side, even though both of them threw two interceptions. What stuck out to me in this game, it was like when you look at the box score, this was a a college game. They, They ran 150 total plays combined. Goff chucked it 51 times and completed 39 of those and... Tom Brady threw it 48 times. And so um, neither team could get anything going on the ground. So it was just like, let's throw, 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 throw. And it was like the team that came up with the last interception was the team that's going to win.
1: Yeah, and uh, Brady threw it 48 times, but for 216 yards. Yeah,
0: that's not ideal to have him be thrown at that many times right now. That's not the game script you want if you were the Bucs.
1: No, I mean, 3.7 yards per play on offense for Tampa. I mean, that's really poor. And Aaron Donald was doubled all night, of course. Again, that's not unusual, but he didn't wreck the show. You know, like if he told me that, I'd be like, Oh, Donald had four sacks and was an unblockable force. I mean, the defense played really well without him being Superman. I thought Brady looked old. I mean, he threw a couple picks that were like, Man, really? Come on, Tom. Yeah, the one over the middle,
0: the the one over the deep middle of the field. Yeah, I, I don't think he didn't look like the ball, like his. He was, there was pressure in his face, but he, he got everything he I thought he wanted to on the throw, so I don't know if that just didn't go anywhere for him or if there was a miscommunication there, but that was a really ugly one, just an arm punt over the middle of the field. The safety had nobody around him, just field that thing and catch it and, and take it the other way.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I'm starting to wonder if Brady should hang it up after this year. I mean, he, he looks like an older older guy out there. When he gets hit, he likes it less. He just doesn't move as crisply the ball doesn't come out of his hands with any juice and he's not elevating those around him like he used to
0: yeah and uh our guy chris raybon who joins us on thursdays to make picks he talked about the the night games and his past tom brady's bedtime they even talked about it on the broadcast yeah. there and and we've seen that now in a couple of primetime games for brady this year and uh, really spreading it in around to his wide receivers. I don't know if uh, if uh, Antonio Brown is is really the guy that has elevated this team since he's shown up, but he's led the targets in, in both of the last two games for the Bucks.
1: That's kind a narrative I kind of dislike, too. And not because he's a former stealer or I'm rooting for him, trust me. But a lot of people are like, A.B. ruined this thing. I'm like, I'm not sure it's A.B.'s fault the last couple <laughs> weeks that they haven't won, that he's rocking the ship and, you know, Signing A.B. ruined their season. I hear things like that. I'm like, I don't know about that. And oh, by the way, they get the Chiefs next week. I mean, yes. they have a very good chance to be 7-5. and five. Yeah, that's rough. And the
0: Van Jefferson, rookie wide receiver for the Rams, getting his first NFL touchdown. So congratulations to him on his only catch in He's the game. Good. And I, I talked about how Tom really spread it around to his receivers. Goff targeted... Robert Woods fifteen times, Cooper Cup thirteen times. So that's where <laughs> right. your fantasy value is. Both those guys going up over one hundred and thirty and one hundred and forty five yards respectively.
1: I, I gotta admit, I would, I'm a little shocked. And the T Bay defense didn't play terrible, but I would have thought that they would have a little more of an answer for Cup and Woods.
0: I agree. That's one thing that uh, let me down on my fantasy squad because I've had the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on all my all my teams, and yeah, they didn't, they didn't put up a great number. This week or uh, a couple weeks recently, but anyway, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, uh, so many teams in the NFL right now. It's like, who are they? Who's going to stand up and be like, okay, we're the team. We're, we're on top. And it seems like new Orleans has now become that team. Even without Drew Brees and Tampa Bay with Tom Brady's, the team is like wilting a little bit right now.
1: Yeah. And I, I, I thought they would end up being that team. I thought was clearly for in the, in the league. and, I think they're in a a tough spot right now, to be very honest. You know, they they have some age on that team. Obviously, Gronk and Brady, are they going to be able to withstand the the marathon that is the season? I'm a little worried about the Bucs. I mean, at least their losses are good losses. You lose the Saints twice, you lose the Rams, and I think the Bears were the other one when they were playing a little better. So it's not like, well, you're really having some bad losses on your resume, but they're not hanging with the big dogs.
0: And we've talked about it before. He was in our stock up, stock down recently. My last note on this game, Brandon Staley, defensive coordinator for the Rams, doing a really yes. good job there. I love the way that defense is flying around, even though they lost some pieces and lost the guy who, in Wade Phillips, is like, man, okay, that's a that's a big name to lose on your defense. You go with the young guy, defensive coordinator, and he's been really great.
1: I've said this before, and you're 100% right on him. He's the second best player on his defense, but Patrick Ramsey's like a defensive MVP candidate to me.
0: Oh, Ramsey was awesome. Yeah, so competitive, and, yeah. and he's being used in such an awesome way by Staley. So, yeah, uh, exactly. Yep.
1: They go hand in hand.
0: That was Monday Night Football. Let's uh, get into the rest of the league coming up in our two minute warning next. Protecting your family is the number one priority, but if you want to do it safely, the people at Taser believe that safer self defense is better self defense. Taser's line of non lethal self protection devices are small and lightweight enough to carry with you, or in your glove compartment, or your purse, or wherever you need to feel safe. Yet while small, they're powerful enough to incapacitate an attacker. Guns carry unnecessary risks for you and those around you, and even pepper spray can harm you as much as an attacker, and it's often ineffective. Taser products are safer And easy to use. They use an electrical charge to immobilize attackers for up to 30 seconds. Features like laser-assisted targeting and emergency dispatch, which will send response teams to your GPS location upon firing. And Taser is available without a permit in most U.S. states. Get the Taser Pulse Plus or Taser Strike Light at Taser.com with promo code NFL. Save 15% now at Taser.com. Promo code NFL, T-A-S-E-R dot Again, promo code NFL. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Short week. Happy Thanksgiving week to everybody out there. If you're listening to this while you're traveling, safe travels. And we will have our Wednesday sock up, stock down. We'll be previewing all of those Thanksgiving games. No show Thursday, then Friday, breaking down everything we saw Thursday. And previewing Sunday's. Games, But today is the two-minute warning. Let's get into some of these questions, Matt. And there was, uh, and I don't actually have it pulled up right now, but one of our listeners said that we didn't give Deshaun Watson enough love in our post-game show Monday. And uh, I think, I thought we did, but if we didn't, I think it's warranted. I mean, and and we shower praise on Deshaun Watson. He was really good in that game against the Patriots. He's an awesome player. Um, And if you're a Houston Texans fan, you listen to a, a podcast, you're like, there's not many good things to say, said about your team. So I can see why you're just hanging on to hear something good. And that good is usually Deshaun Watson. And oh, by the way, the team's next general manager is not going to be Jack Easterby. who's kind of running the show right now. And that Romeo Cornell will not be kept as the new head coach. So they're searching for GM and head coach there in Houston coming up.
1: Yeah. Let's talk about that a little bit. And I thought I gave all sorts of praise to to Watson but I'll admit, it, it probably wasn't enough. I mean, he may have been the best quarterback of this week. And frankly, I think he's obviously a top five quarterback now. And, you know, Lamar's kind of fallen off. And I mean, besides Wilson and Mahomes, I guess Rogers as well. I think Watson's in that conversation as best player at the position as we speak, let alone going forward. Um, I think he's the second best quarterback in the AFC and was phenomenal in this game. I mean, phenomenal. And for them to win, he kind of has to be phenomenal. And to the coaching search, boy, you'd love to have that first and second round pick, which you know are going to be early. But having this guy is such an advantage. I mean, imagine if you were going to take over the Bears or somebody like that that doesn't have a top two pick and needs a quarterback. I mean, at least you have the huge foundational piece in place.
0: If you are searching for a GM or a head coach and specifically head coach, are you looking for an offensive coach to go with Deshaun Watson? Or are you thinking, look, Deshaun Watson's got this thing. Let's bring in a good offensive coordinator to go with our defensive minded head coach and fix the defensive side of the ball. Because we know we'll be able to score and move the ball on offense because we have this great quarterback. Uh,
1: This is probably a bigger discussion than you and I haven't had it all that often. But And I would come very clean. This comes from my Steeler roots. I mean, there's been three head coaches. I'm 48 years old, and I've been a a witness to three head coaches in this town. And the Rooney method of hiring a coach isn't we need offense, we need defense. We just need a leader of men, and he'll go find those pieces. To me, that's what head coaching searches are all about. I mean, like, Harbaugh wasn't a great offensive or defensive mind. He had a heavy special teams background. You know, like um, I'm not super, I, some of those guys, trust me, they some of them work out the Andy Reeds of the world and these amazing play callers and Sean Paytons, but I don't think you have to go that route. I mean, I'd rather have my guy um, go hire those young people and you'll probably lose them after a while. But um, sometimes there's too much on a head coach's plate too. Like I love Andy Reed why do you think his time management's been so bad over the years? because he it's got his head in this, you know, he's thinking about the next play.
0: How about <laughs> you mentioned Harbaugh there? How about the other Harbaugh, Jim Harbaugh, things aren't oh. going great for him at the college level. He might be jumping back into the pro game very soon. And uh, he turned things around very quickly when he shows up and maybe he's a guy to whip a team into shape in, in short order.
1: Well, you've been closer to him with your team than, than I have, but my impressions are, like you said, I think he would take a loser and get them to respectability very quick and then would wear out his welcome.
0: Yeah, he grinds people around him into a fine powder, I think is a good way to put it. So, yeah. uh, But that can be a very good thing, and especially some teams really need it. And Houston might be that situation where they need something like that. So that's interesting. And I know Harbaugh's name is going to be out there, it feels like, very soon. So that'll be a that'll be a fun big name to follow. But there's some other names out there. Eric Bieniemy likely to become a head coach very soon, probably long overdue. And we've gone way over two minutes here talking about this. But uh, one name that's that right. really I, I'm not sure where to put is, And somebody who's going to be a head coach in this league, does he make the jump too soon? Do you try to beat other teams to the punch before he eventually becomes a head coach in the next cycle? What about Joe Brady as a future head coach? He's only 31, 32 years old now, right? And has been in the NFL for one year as an offensive coordinator, but his name I'm seeing everywhere. People love this young guy.
1: Yes, and I I 100% get it. And I think people look at him and think maybe he can be our Sean Payton, our offensive mind for, you know, kind of like my Steeler reference, for the next 30 years or whatever, because he is so young. Get him now. Give him that long-term deal like the the Niners did with Shanahan, uh, like Carolina did with Rule. Give him all kinds of job security and say, build this thing your way. It's yours now. You have a quarterback, and you can fill in the blanks, and there's a lot of blanks.
0: Deshaun Watson a winner, so apologies if we did not go deep enough into – A love fest for Deshaun Watson on Monday's show. Great player, and I love watching him play. This one from Recovering Narcissist on Twitter. He says, your take on Titans standing on Ravens logo before the game. I've been in NHL locker rooms, and this action would cause a bench-clearing brawl. In hockey uh it almost co- it almost caused a, a bench clearer there in in the NFL but it was the coach that was out there in front you don't want your coach taking shots uh and it turned into a doozy of a game on the field as well I don't know what are your thoughts on this one this some of these things I think are really you know the, the unwritten rules are, are somewhat lame in some cases but you also there's a I can see why a, a team and a coach would look at it as disrespect if it's a thing that everybody knows and everybody does and you go out on the team's logo remember Terrell Owens going out there putting his arms up at the star and it's like okay if you're if you're going to be brash enough if you're going to go do this then just expect that this is going to be the response and sometimes I'm okay with it
1: yeah it's a tough thing for me to comment on I mean I think that in the 70s, the 80s, before there was Twitter and all these guys had the same agents and were buddies, this kind of thing was a bigger deal. It was a real, you know, shot across the bow. I definitely think that there is, this isn't exactly what was asked, but I think the Ravens and Titans are clearly becoming hated rivals, you know, and that goes back to the, the playoff game. I think a lot of it's their style of play. Tennessee does not fear the physicality of Baltimore at all. And that, you know, that stems from v- Vrabel and their head coaches. Um, the Patriots, back in Vrabel's day, had good battles with Baltimore as well. Um, so I do think that's, you know, and that's odd outside the division. But, I mean, I guess there was a fight before and there was, you know, maybe there wasn't a shaking of hands between the coaches after or something like that. But I, I don't know. I, I don't think it's as big a deal as probably when people make it out to be anymore.
0: People really want to want to oh, what's the right word on, on both sides of these types of arguments. And you see it a lot with baseball, with the unwritten rules. People really want to control how the players and the human beings act in certain ways. They want to control. Hey, you can't do this. And if you do, there's going to be a response and we're going to go fight you. Or on the other side of it, it's like, hey, you can't ever do this or you should never uh, throw at anybody in baseball and you can't be mad about this. And And I'm kind of like. Oh, I, my opinion is away from both of those. I'm like, look, action, reaction, right? Like in baseball, I don't care if you flip your bat or do whatever, and I don't care if the pitcher gets mad about it and throws one at your rear end. You, you, you don't throw at people's head, obviously, and I don't have a problem if the batter doesn't like being thrown at at the rear end there's 60 feet, six inches of grass between the hitter and the pitcher. Go get them if you want. You know, it's like, I'm OK with yeah. all of it. Let them play. Let them do what they do and and sort of figure it out themselves. And so that's where I'm out on it. It's like, OK, let them go figure it out at the if they want to fight at the logo, let them fight at the logo. Let them figure it out. I'm not going to tell them what they can and can't do.
1: Yeah, I mostly agree with that, too. And I don't watch enough of the other sports like. Do the home run hitters sometimes just trot around the bases or, you know, show up the pitcher and do they get thrown at the next at bat? Like they used to, if you did that against Bob Gibson or Don Drysdale or somebody, I don't know if that's as pro- a prominent as it used to be. I mean, there's some things like, Hey, if you're going to foul the crap out of Michael Jordan, if you're going to beat the dirt out of Mario Lemieux, if you're going to run my goalie time and time again, and really hurt our chances, to to win or injure our best guy, our franchise players, well, then I'm going to do everything I can
0: to hurt your body. We've got a ton more questions to get to coming up. We're going to go to the West Coast with a couple of questions here and the rookie quarterbacks coming up on Peacock and Williamson. Are you hitting a wall? Are you hitting that holiday wall preparations? I know it's an odd season this year, but you can break through that wall with built Go. Whether it's a mental wall, a physical wall, break through it with Go every day. It's a small packet, one and a half ounces, very easy to take. Put it in your glove compartment, in your pocket, in your backpack, in your briefcase, in your golf bag to power through the back nine. And Built Go is the best workout gel on the market. It's like an energy drink without the same crash of his over-sugared Beverage And it's good for you. It's natural. It's better for your body. Three delicious flavors of Built Go. Peanut butter, honey, chocolate, coconut, and chocolate mint. They are filled with protein, collagen protein specifically because it's fast absorbing, gets in your system fast, and it's easy on the stomach. Beta alanine, B vitamins, honey, and a little kick of caffeine. Visit BuiltGo.com and use promo code LOCKED. You'll get 20% off your next order That is promo code LOCKED for 20% off at buildgo.com. This encompasses a few divisions here, and there's multiple questions. Recovering Narcissist had a backup question about Joe Burrow, talking about with the amount of hits Burrow took this year, was it inevitable that he got hurt? His fault, coaching staff, GM, or just dumb luck there with Joe Burrow? And then after this, we've got a question about Justin Herbert From AJ, and he says, how good do the Chargers look now standing pat? They didn't trade up for Tua as a lot of people thought they were going to. They laid back, might have got the best quarterback in this draft class after, especially now that we've seen Joe Burrow get hurt. He's done for the year. And Tua get benched last week. How good do the Chargers look right now drafting Justin Herbert? Matt, I know that was a lot and, and multiple questions put together in one. Thanks to all the questions out there. I want to try to get as many as possible here. What are your thoughts there? Who do you blame for Burrow's injury? And how good do the Chargers look right now with Herbert?
1: I'll try to keep it quick. People remember I wasn't that big on Herbert as a prospect. He didn't look like this to me at Oregon. I, the more research I've done since, you know, past the fact, it sounds like origin, Oregon's coaching staff didn't let him be him. You know, they reeled him in more than you would think. So shame on them forever on that. But And I said many times the Chargers were the perfect Cam Newton, Jameis Winston team and draft a tackle. You know, I mean, draft Mackay Beckton. Becton. And I thought, man, then they can really make a run. I was wrong. They did it right. I mean, they found the stud quarterback and I could not be any more impressed with Herbert of all these young quarterbacks. I might take him over burrow and even Kyler. I don't know. Like, I mean, someday I have to put those guys in order, but he would be hard for me to not take of the rookies or second year guys. He's super, he's a superstar. In my opinion, the burrow thing bothers me a little in that. It's the Bengals fault. I mean, it was bad luck. It's one play. It could have happened to Mahomes or anyone that's super protected. And, but there is certainly logic that if you allow your quarterback to get hit, there's a, the chances go up of injury and they threw the ball so much. So there's two parts of it, attempting a lot of passes and not protecting them well, but Rome wasn't built in a day either. You know what I mean? Like, they drafted Jonah Williams the year before they spend a little bit of free agency money on the offensive line. Like you can't have everything. And should they right. not have taken T Higgins in the first pick in the second round and taken a guard that probably wouldn't have made any difference in keeping Burrow healthy in the end.
0: Yeah, no, that's a good point. It's, it's a little bit of everything when it comes to Burrow and the, the one play that got him hurt is luck ruining him. in just by getting him hit too much was something though, that we've heard about and, and, Fans Mm -hmm. were a little bit worried about coming in. So you can see how you could connect those dots and be like, well, you got to blame the team somewhat because they didn't protect him enough. And in the end, he did get hurt. So I see all sides of that argument. And it's just a tough situation. But you're right. You can't you're drafting number one overall for a reason you don't have a great team to put around your quarterback so you do do you not draft a quarterback until you have a great offensive line so you know it's chicken or the egg there with that argument but really with that injury uh the i would be more worried about other issues with joe burrow than him tearing his acl that's just you know dumb luck it could happen on any sack any game in the nfl
1: during a quick conversation yesterday i'll be highly critical now that you have the guy if you'd pass on penny sewell or just go with this o-line like okay now
0: you're you know now it's malpractice <laughs> right you have all the evidence you need to make sure you do protect him going forward that should be and you, there's plenty of wide receivers for him uh in uh in cincinnati so get him some help with the offensive line absolutely and they if, still need if it a lot. Means of
1: ignoring line. that bad defense all offseason so be it
0: right but, and you know maybe they can spend some money on the defense and then draft sewell if that's the way they want to go or they mm-hmm. can spend right. some money on a tackle and you know draft defense or trade down but you got to attack that offensive line it's something that, that was obvious and and they Something that they absolutely need to do.
1: And they need to run the ball more, too.
0: That's another thing is you're a two-win team. Don't have your quarterback drop back 40 times a game.
1: Right. And Mixon's health had something to do with that. But still, that's not enough of an
0: excuse. Yeah, that's the other part of it. It's like you're a head coach. You're not trying to lose football games. So it's like, look, we got to throw. We're down. And so there's so many things that came together with that injury. It's just unfortunate.
1: Yeah. Mostly it's bad luck.
0: Christopher says with The draft picks, cap space, and current rosters available in place. Will the AFC East take over the NFC West as the toughest division in football in 2021?
1: I'll go 2022 because Russ and Kyler and Goff and your Niners aren't going away anytime soon either. But I think the future is extremely bright. Do we know if two is a franchise guy? We don't yet. I mean, I think that's obvious, but I think that organization, coaching staff, draft picks, cap space implies that Miami should be go should skyrocket, you know, compared to the rest of the league. The Bills are already there, and I think Josh Allen is now. Yes, he's a franchise quarterback, and they have a great coach. The Jets are to be determined, but boy, that's a fun moldable piece of clay with all the stuff they have at hand. And as we mentioned yesterday, the GM did a really good job in his first draft and his first off season. I look at the Patriots and think, are they going to be the, the force? You know, they, is history going be, to be the opposite. Are they going to be the clear four for the next three, four, five years, or is Belichick just treading water for a year with all the cap space he has. And then all of a sudden going to be like, Oh, Bill knows what he's doing. First he retire.
0: You know, I'm looking at this question and the Patriots came to mind here. The next question, we'll finish it up with this one. And I'm trying to figure out what team this Kaz Kaz on Twitter is a fan of. And uh, Kaz Kaz says, how would you do a good quarterback transition? I can think of Favre to Rogers as a great example, Montana to Young, but can't think of many more good examples. It seems a hard balance between not wasting a young talent, not hurting the veterans confidence, and of course, finances. Uh, That's a great question from Kaz Kaz. And I think the Patriots tried to do that with Brady to Garoppolo. Brady hung on too long. Garoppolo has gone. And then all of a sudden they're sitting there with Jared Stidham and brought in Brian Hoyer. And, you know, at the 11th hour brought in Cam Newton. And it's still a question what's going on there with the future at quarterback. And there might be some other really good young quarterbacks in that division joining uh, or at least one more joining with the number one overall pick in this coming offseason with the Jets. So the Patriots might have the worst quarterback situation in the division in 2021 they're almost assured of it yeah how do you transition it uh, now that I think about it this is probably a Steelers fan on your timeline responding to your tweet asking for questions thinking about how to move on from Ben Roethlisberger
1: yeah that's a good point I mean and for the Steelers I think this offseason would be great but you might pick 30 31 32 like there's not gonna you're not gonna and you don't have enough you know you're not gonna trade up so that's gonna be I mean I think the Steelers are more like go trade for Darnold, let him sit behind Ben for a year, someone that's not super Ooh, threatening, man. but is an obvious replacement. Um, this question, as you were reading it, I was kind of disagreeing with it in that it's never easy. It's never smooth. It's never gentle and nice. You know, like the young Montana thing wasn't pretty, right? The heart was thing wasn't pretty. Yeah, it worked you- out well for the organization's, but Brett and Joe weren't real thrilled about it.
0: (laughs) The newspaper headlines in both green Bay and San Francisco during those years, uh, that, that was not an easy transition. It worked out well. So that's two different questions. Uh, What's a good QB transition. Well, get your next QB right is the only right answer. Uh, It it could be very difficult either if you have two good ones or you don't have any at all.
1: Yeah. And one that stands out though, is the Colts because, Peyton Manning was awesome. Breaks his neck or whatever his neck injury was, something really bad. Misses the whole season. Happens to be the year Andrew Luck's coming out. And they were the worst team in the league without Manning. It showed his value. And that even wasn't a slam dunk. You know, or are, are we going to cut or trade Peyton because we have this stud Lawrence-like guy coming up? Well, we have to take luck. You know, we we won no games last year time to move on from Peyton who like Joe and Brett proved that he could win a lot of games elsewhere
0: that's a good one I I didn't even think about the Manning to but luck.
1: that's like pure luck that's like right. when David Robinson got hurt and Tim Duncan came out the next year you right know that wasn't
0: mean? them making a shrewd move as a front no. office like the, the Green Bay Farve to Rogers thing was and and we'll see how the next one turns out with Green Bay did they do it again with Jordan Love and and they've been getting killed for that move so we'll see if that turns out to be the right move too and probably more like 2022 by the way and we don't have any time left but the 2022 offseason is going to be quite interesting with some contracts that teams can get out from under Carson Wentz and Aaron Rodgers and uh, Matt Ryan that could be a wild yeah. Off season.
1: yeah I hadn't thought about that but absolutely. Um, obviously the saints come to mind with a quarterback transition looming too, especially after what we saw this weekend.
0: Yeah, that's a good one. Pittsburgh. You, you, you gotta start. It's amazing how long these quarterbacks are going because you have to start planning. And if you start planning too soon, then that rookie contract for your new young quarterback is all used up. And if you start too late, you're in quarterback purgatory.
1: Yeah. and And to come full circle with how we started the show, Tampa better do something.
0: Right. Yeah, that was a nice short term piece. They got to figure that out still. And they'll probably be drafting in in the back half. And uh, I just broke down a bunch of quarterbacks on Locked On 49ers actually for today's show and chatted with Jordan Reed of the draft network. There's there's a lot of quarterbacks in this class. So some of those teams at the end that are picking late might have an opportunity to draft a guy in that uh, late one, early second round range. That's a legitimate prospect that they could try to develop going forward.
1: Like Trask from Florida, yeah. or Jones from Florida. Jones and Trask. Guys. Yeah. yeah.
0: There's like six quarterbacks that could sneak into round one.
1: Yeah. No, I mean, that's, it's not a bad time to be, I guess, the Bucks, the Steelers, the Falcons. You know, the, the, there's more than six teams that need them, but if you can sit them on the bench for a year, yeah, it's not so bad.
0: Absolutely. And we'll have a lot more conversations about those quarterbacks coming up in uh, this season and throughout the offseason leading up to the draft as we cover. The NFL Daily here on Peacock and Williamson. Be back tomorrow. Stock up, stock down. Taking a look at those Thursday Thanksgiving games right here. Peacock and Williamson.